Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He's Paul Vitino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You can also chime in on the conversation via Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Live Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. So yesterday, Paul and I delved into Wild Card Weekend showed you some of the trends that we saw from the winning teams and also looked into the Giants offseason. All of that is still up for discussion on today's program, but I think we also wanted to get into a few new subjects, including quarterback records, the clutch gene, as well as the NFL coaching carousel. And one tweet caught my attention, Paul, and I want yes. to start there. The NFL Network obviously has its fair share of programming, and they must have gotten into a conversation about clutch quarterbacks and quarterbacks that deliver consistently and so forth. So right. Peter Schrager, who is on their morning show, had mentioned that when Also he a thinks, Fox Sports sideline guy on absolutely. NFL games, so he's he does a lot of NFL stuff. So he was quoted as saying the following with respect to Nick Foles, the Eagles' starting quarterback right now. Nick Foles in the biggest of moments... This is what he was using as context. There is, quote, no quarterback I would rather have, and I'll go one further, there might be no quarterback I'd rather have in NFL history in a big moment, end quote. Wow. Nick Foles, by the way, five career postseason games he's appeared in. Five, Paul. See, this is the problem I have, and I'm going to vent a little here, okay, before I Please let you do. get into this. Because you know I have oh, something I to say. Well, listen, my feeling is everyone's entitled to their opinion as long sure. as they back it up with support of facts, not Correct. hyperbole. That, Correct. That's number one in terms of my philosophy. But the reason I get irritated in these hyperbole type of comments is if you're going to make this case for anyone, and you can make this case for a variety of quarterbacks, there's certainly substance out there. Don't you think it's practical, Paul, to crown an individual who at least has a wide range of postseason games on their resume. We live in a society today where one person has one good game and then they immediately put them up on a pedestal. And I feel as if you know, Nick <laughs> Foles falls into that. And I'm not trying to downgrade Nick Foles. Listen, he delivered last year during the playoff run. He deserves credit for that. But five career postseason games, three of which came last season, Paul. Three all in one year. Right. One game in which... The Falcons, by the way, in that divisional round, remember Matt Ryan, they get into the red zone. It's a 15-10 game. Four pass attempts within the red zone, and they can't get in the end zone. If the Falcons score a touchdown, the Eagles' postseason run is over, and we're not talking about Nick Foles. Mm -hmm. That's another reason why quarterback records bother me, because the defense, the special teams, and everything else has something to do. It's a team game, Lance. I know. Once again, <laughs> I am saying things that are blowing your mind, I'm sure, on this program, Paul, right? It's a team game, oh. meaning the defense and the special teams have to help you. By the way, if Cody Parkey makes the field goal, are we talking about the Eagles' go-ahead drive on Sunday? No, we're talking about the Bears' win. And once again, Foles And how great Trubisky is, right? Exactly. <laughs> Maybe the he's the greatest clutch quarterback of all time. Bingo. Well said. <laughs> His throw to Allen Robinson on the sideline right put them in field goal range. So this is what I'm saying about we always react to the now, and everyone tends to lose perspective of the fact that the NFL's been around for decades well before Nick Foles or any of these other new quarterbacks suited up. I could not agree with you more, Lance. And, and I think... Some of the names that immediately came to mind when you read that quote to me, John Elway for sure, and I think Ernie Acorsi would, would really yes. kind of campaign for Elway getting that trophy after all the times that the Broncos uh, sidetracked his plans. Uh, certainly Johnny Unitas would be another guy you'd want to talk about. Roger the Dodgers stallback would have to be a guy high on that list. Joe Montana would have to be very Absolutely. high on that list. To, to rate Nick Foles ahead of any of those guys on any list, to me, just doesn't sound very uh, uh, digestible. How about that? <laughs> well, that's why I think sometimes when you read these quotes, is this an attention-grabbing moment that we're all falling for? Did we all take the bait? Maybe we're guilty of that. And maybe people say these things just because they want this type of reaction. But if you're going to have an informative conversation and you're actually going to look through the NFL archives number of the quarterbacks you listed are worthy of the title. Tom Brady would be another guy that I would certainly put into the yeah, conversation. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, last time I checked, I think he's had a number of key drives that have led ultimately to helping his team win Super Bowls and big playoff games. But well, a couple of years ago, Matt Stafford had, what, seven come from behind during the course quarter of the regular season. Victories. Yeah. I mean, 
So for that one year, Matt Stafford was as good as anybody. Yeah, but nobody's crowning him and saying now all of a sudden he's the most <laughs> clutch quarterback in NFL history. And then here's another important piece of context. I brought up Tom Brady, Paul, but remember, Brady benefited from some defensive plays during the course of his Super Bowl mm-hmm. victories. Sure. Case in point, the Seahawks game. Last time I checked, Brandon Browner made a hell of a play to help Malcolm Butler mm-hmm. get the interception sure. in terms of that pick sure. play, that screen play, and the Seahawks deciding not to run the football. So when you look at have quarterbacks delivered, I think you also need to say to yourself, okay, was it the quarterback alone that did the majority of the heavy lifting, or was it the defense that aided the quarterback and helped pad that record and so forth. So, you know, that's a big part of the dialogue and a big part of the conversation. You might be a little young to remember the cardiac kids of the Cleveland Browns when Brian Sipe was there. And it seemed like almost every week he was doing something amazing in the final moments of a game to pull one out. Uh, Even Fran Tarkenton had a bunch of those with the Vikings during his time there. The point is, that pool is very large and very deep. And to just isolate Nick Foles with one simple comment like that, to me, that's not holding much water. Well, and the other reason why we wanted to bring up this subject is and we actually got into Nick Foles a little bit on yesterday's program for those of you who may not have had an opportunity to check out that discussion because we got a phone call, Paul, talking about Nick Foles and with him expected to hit free agency, would he be somebody worthy of going after, whether it be the Giants or any Mm -hmm. other NFL team? And my big point was, I think he's in a comfort zone in Philadelphia right now because he knows the system. He has a history with Doug Peterson going back to Kansas City. And if you just look at Nick Foles and his other stops, you know, clearly coaching is such a big influence in the development and success of players. So if you're Nick Foles, do you say to yourself, well, why ruin a good thing? Also knowing Carson Wentz is hurt, he may not be ready to go at the start of next season. I'm speculating a little bit. Why would you be so quick to give that up just because maybe a team is willing to throw a bunch of money at you? Right. I think if you're Nick Foles, I think you have to have a serious conversation with yourself about that. Nick Foles may be very satisfied and very happy, and I don't know this because I don't cover the Eagles. I don't talk to Nick Foles. He may just say, you know what? Based on Wentz's injury history, I'll sign another one-year deal with the Eagles for a reasonable, moderate price so that they can fit me under the cap. After all, Wentz is still on his rookie contract, so they can afford to, quote, overpay a backup. And maybe Fall says, you know what? Maybe I wind up getting the job again next year because Wentz is sidelined. Or, worst-case scenario, Wentz plays all 16 games and then Foles enters free agency after one year, and his stock is not going to diminish because if he doesn't play... He can't hurt it. Right. No, bingo. I think that's an excellent The last thing that people will see is the fact that he led them to -to back-to-back postseason appearances and maybe even to two Super Bowls. So how does he lose? It's funny that you brought up that perspective because last night was the national championship game between Clemson and Alabama and clearly Trevor Lawrence a true freshman wowed everybody with his performance he's had a solid season I don't necessarily think this game alone made everybody sold on him but now there's the whole debate which also to me is another overreaction Paul that the NFL <laughs> should change its rules did you see this narrative yes, after did. the game that all of yes, a sudden they should revamp the collective bargaining agreement and allow oh. underclassmen or players that are not three years removed from high school to be draft eligible So the rule was implemented, Paul, in 1993. And then, for those of you who are familiar with Maurice Claret, the Ohio State running back, when Mm -hmm. he got suspended, he tried to fight this in the courts, and the courts upheld it and said that it was not unconstitutional, whatever it may be. So they've had this in place since 1993. Paul, is Trevor Lawrence the first, and once again, this is not to bring him down or disrespect him, it's to make a point. Is he the first underclassman college quarterback that has wowed you in a regular season well, or in a big game <laughs> since uh, 1993? Just last year, Tua did it for Alabama. There were people going gaga for him. And he was a year younger than he is now. And did we talk about revamping the collective bargaining uh, It's ridiculous. I mean, look, I, look, I remember the big stink when Herschel Walker came out of Georgia as a junior. And the USFL said... The heck with the rules or whatever whatever the uh, the conservative frame of thought was, we're going to give him the richest pro football contract available and we're going to make him the flagship player in our league. And the New Jersey Generals did just that. 
I mean, I don't know how many of you folks are old enough, you know, listening to the program today who remember when Herschel Walker was signed by the Generals, but he got the richest contract in pro football history to that time. And it was all because the league wanted to make a stamp. They wanted to put their face on the pro football landscape. And so they were like, hey, the NFL doesn't want to, you know, take this guy. They don't want to make him draft eligible right now. No problem. We'll take him. And it's a good publicity stunt, too. It really was. Because of the talent. And quite frankly, sidetrack, Herschel Walker should be in the Hall of Fame. I just think it's criminal that he is not in the Hall of Fame. That was something for another time. No, well, it's all related. We, we, we bring in some side notes here. I, I wouldn't necessarily say you were <laughs> off the wall for bringing up that statement, but that, I think, was something else that was relevant in addition to this Nick Foles chatter. And, and here's another one that I've heard in the wake of Trevor Lawrence's performance, that teams now should be tanking on purpose, Paul, oh. so that they could position <laughs> themselves. Yeah, I know. I know. Listen, we're going to have a lot of good laughs on today's program, people, okay? Because there's a lot of ridiculous statements and narratives that have been thrown out over the last 24 hours. So we've got to air it out and vent it out. That- Anybody who says that needs to first dress themselves in a Bozo the Clown suit. <laughs> yes, the red nose, the wig, everything. The face paint. We want it all. Man. I mean, really? Not to mention, here's the other thing, which I love about this tanking element, and we hear about it a lot in the NBA, too, not to get off topic. No one can predict the future. Unless you have a crystal ball, show me, and you are 100% right. You have no idea what's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence. You don't know what's going to happen with his durability. You don't know what's going to happen with the dynamics of your own NFL team. Maybe there's somebody else on your roster. Don't, don't waste your breath trying to explain that, this. I understand that, but I just don't, needed to don't. once again vent and I'm air I'm glad you vented, so, but don't waste your breath trying to explain it. It's just enough. not worth it. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. That is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants oh, Chat on Twitter. We want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. Let's open up the phone lines. Your thoughts on a variety of different subjects, including what we opened up the show with, Nick Foles, as well as the national championship game, the upcoming draft, all that good stuff. Mike is in Pennsylvania. He gets us going on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Welcome to the program, Mike. What do you got for us? Hi, Mike. Oh, Lance, you guys stole my fire. <laughs> well, you could add to it. Uh, you could pour some more gasoline oh, yeah. on it. I just wanted to drive your Nick Foles point home and then finish the call of my Dave Gettleman free agency wish list. Sure. Oh, I should get yeah. out my list then if you're going to do that one. <laughs> uh, all right, for everyone calling in suggesting we replace Eli with Nick Foles, please stop. We know exactly what Eli is. He makes five dumb throws per year, but then he's Mr. Consistent. The dude can read defenses like we can read pop-up books. Uh, if Eli... Oh, sorry, man, I started to lose you. No, it's okay. We still hear you, Mike. What were you going to say? <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's 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 just common sense. It, if Eli went to West Point, he'd have a photo on the wall next to Eisenhower and MacArthur. It's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting way to put it. I I never would have come up with that angle. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, that that's a refreshing liner here on Big Blue Kickoff. I may need to cut it and make a promo out of it. Well, here's, I think, how you have to look at it, Mike. And, and I get your point about, you know, Nick Foles versus Eli Manning. But I think it's more of a conversation about Nick Foles versus also opportunities in the draft, some young prospects. You know, that's how you have to look at it if you're the Giants' front office because Eli Manning, it's well-documented. He's at the tail end of his career in terms of his age. So you you have to say to yourself, does it make more sense? If you're going to move on from Eli Manning, does it make more sense to bring in a polished veteran who maybe can buy us two years? Or are we enamored with a young quarterback that we think is ready to take over the reins of the offense, and we might as well allow him to learn the trade like a baptism by fire situation. I think that's more of how the Giants would have to look at it if they want to have that conversation. Well, I mean, Eli is a polished veteran that can get us two more years, though. It's, I don't disagree if, with that. If you want to, I, I mean, I'm open to the conversation. If you want to draft Haskins, although I suggest Justin Fields a year later, but I, like. Someone like Nick Foles, if he started for us behind that line this year, we would have been better off starting Nick Jonas. (laughs) Boy, you're really rolling off the one-liners today, Mike. Don't use up all your good material on this program alone. 
All right, Michael, look, you're not going to get any argument from either Lance or myself uh, that they should stick with Eli Manning for at least 2019. And whatever happens in 20 happens in 20. I'm not ready to predict what, what's going to go down two years from now. I, I understand that they certainly could give Eli an extension to help the cap number. But you and I both know extensions are not always real. Sometimes they are placeholders. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you wait and see about 20 when 20 gets here. I think Eli should be the guy in 19. I believe everybody in this building is on that same page. But things can change. Lightning does occasionally strike when you don't expect it to. And until something is done, it's not done. Um, but anyway, you had some free agents you wanted to mention. Uh, well, yeah, I'll be real quick. So my priority number one would be re-sign Jamon Brown. Agreed. Uh, second, try to work a deal with Landon Collins. They don't need to, by the way, because they could tag him. You understand that, right? I'm sorry? They could tag Collins, so if they don't get that long-term deal, he's already said he's willing to play under the tag. Uh, I'd say maybe top 10 money, but I don't know if he's that high, though. I've offered – I think the logic for me is to transition him because it is about $2.5 million cheaper than the franchise tag, and you do have the right to match in case somebody comes yeah. along and makes him an offer. Well, that's what I was arguing. We'll let you continue, Mike. Remember last year with Kirk Cousins, Paul? Mm-hmm. That was my thing that I thought the Redskins should have done because at least it keeps your options open. All right, go, go ahead. ahead. I'd be all about that. Uh, third, as far as re-signing, Latimer, Coleman, Poli, and Rosas, which everyone's going to agree to that. And... Finally, I don't care who it is, what position he plays. I just want one more player that can get us five sacks next year. I think everything else we can fortify on the line. I, I trust Gelman. Well, I appreciate the or, phone I'm call. Sorry, Mike. everything else we can fortify in the draft. All right, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. Uh, pass rush is certainly an area that the Giants are going to look to improve. I know you said you put your list together, Paul. Well, Do you have co- any defensive lineman pass rushers on? Well, there, there are a couple of here? guys that he that he did not mention who I think if things work out, you probably would like to retain them. Uh, I think you certainly would like Zach Diossi to come back and be a long snapper. He's an unrestricted free agent, and I don't think the Giants really want to move on from him, and I think he still wants to play. So I would, I would like to get that done because we all know how things can break down if you don't have a reliable long snapper. Don't undervalue him. Um, I, I also quite honestly think that I would seriously consider bringing back uh, Russell Shepard. I agree with who you was there. a yeah. very big asset to the locker room and did step up and fill in in important situations as a receiver. We also know he's a very good special teams player. So I would strongly consider trying to bring him back at the right number. And I do think I'd have conversations with uh, Kerry Wynn uh, as well as probably B.W. Webb. You know, I'd like to upgrade at corner, but I think Webb could certainly be one of the top five corners on the yeah. team. Considering he could play the outside and the inside. So I would, I would talk to him. I would talk to Kerry Wynn about possibly coming back. And I think that Josh Morrow showed me enough of things in, in his play this season that I'd certainly be interested in talking to him to see if uh, that might work out as well. Yeah, I'm with you. Plus, he has familiarity with the system. Once he came back after serving that suspension, you know, he flashed here or there throughout the course of the games, and he was at least a, a key staple ingredient. He plays the run the well. Line. Yeah, I'm great. Well, I also remember, I mean, I don't have the exact examples in front of me, but, you know, multiple times where I felt like he got good penetration through mm-hmm. the line and at least even had an opportunity to sack the quarterback. So there was more than enough of those examples that I think it's worthy of uh, considering to bring him back. Absolutely. So anyway, th- those would be the guys who, uh, who I would think that have a, a better chance than not of coming back to the Giants, at least if I were in charge. Now, in terms of pass rushers, I mean, I'm bringing up, I haven't looked at this very closely because I'm still in playoff mode from other assignments and so forth, but I'm looking at the three, four outside linebackers. Oh, those are the look, guys. you want to go to that, that list? Yeah, so look at, well, I mean, the NFL I, think, list? I think that based on the first caller saying that he would want another pass rusher who can at least get five sacks, okay. since we're on the subject, I don't think there's anything wrong with at least throwing out a name. Yeah, go ahead. And I know you and I talked about this name off the air. To me, one of the most appealing guys, and I know everybody's going to turn to Jadavian Clowney, but I think the Texans are going to tag him. He so, probably won't be available. So to me, a guy like D. Ford from the Kansas City He's Chiefs. He's on my list. That I think is a reasonable target. I think the Chiefs are going to try to bring I him back I would agree too. with you too. I, so I don't know how realistic it's going to be that he's going to hit the market, but I will tell you this. If you ask me between Clowney and Ford... I think there's a better chance Ford hits the market than Clowney does. I would agree with you. And so, my third guy on that list is Zadarius Smith from the Ravens. 
And those, those are my three, four outside edge rushing linebackers who I would be targeting for my radar. I mean, I'm looking at some of the other names. Clay Matthews, a veteran with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Frank Zombo is another guy that's been with Green Bay with Kansas City. Kerry Wynn is on that list. We brought him up with the Giants. Brian Arakpo's on the list, but he retired, so he's no longer an option and has seen certainly better days. He's selling cupcakes now, right? On the, uh, is on he? Oh, he's one of those play in that commercial? He's the bakery guy. Oh, I didn't realize it. That was, that was uh, him. <laughs> That's right. It was two Tennessee Titans players, right? Yes. I didn't take close notice of who they were. I just I have seen and, that And commercial. to be honest, yeah. and you can laugh if you like, I'm not sure how fake or how real that commercial is. He might have a cupcake business. It looked real to me right? based on what was presented. But Would it be again, a stretch I to think research. that he owns a bakery? No, I don't think that's crazy. I mean, he and a teammate investing in that on the side. Why not? Money? A lot of guys have Absolutely. restaurants. If yeah. he wants to have a bakery, he can have one. Well, if that's the case, <laughs> then he's set. We know what his activities are going to be coming up in the next season. Here's another interesting name as I'm perusing the free agent list. Shane Ray of the Denver Broncos, who's a young player still who I think has upside yeah, he may be an intriguing name to look at if you think you could utilize him in your system and you could get more production out of him. Just another name to keep close tabs on as free agency starts. All right, let's head back to the phone lines as we move along here on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Dylan is in Watertown. Dylan, welcome to the program. What do you have for us? Hey, guys. How's it going today? Doing well, Dylan. What's on your mind? Um, well, I had I had a scenario I guess I was going to give you guys, and I wanted to uh, hear your comments on. And then I also had a follow up question to that as well. Um, going going into the NFL draft, you know the Giants have the sixth overall pick. Um, two guys I was watching last night in the uh, college football championship was offensive tackle for um, Alabama, Will- Williams. Jonas and Williams, then, yeah, Jonah Williams. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then for Clemson, I was watching edge, ed, the edge rusher. His last name is Farrell. Yeah. That was a matchup a lot of people were looking forward to watching. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're the Giants, I mean, those if, if those two guys, you know, or even just one of them are available at number six, I mean, I think that's certainly somebody to, to grab. I know a lot of people want a quarterback, but I think really the you got you to gotta go for the need. And I think obviously we need – pass rushers and also an offensive tackle you could put at right tackle and then um the interesting thing i thought of because i've been going through some mock drafts myself before you go any further just be careful the one statement you said you got to go for the need that's a mistake don't reach and go for the need you'd want to go for the best player available hopefully he does fit your need again unless in extenuating circumstances you know what happens to be a guy who you know already is in an overstocked position uh, which even in some instances you might want to take them anyway. So be careful. Don't just say you know we're going to go for the pass rusher or we're going to go for the the tie the tackle because we have a need there. Yeah. I I would think that that uh, Williams and or a pass rusher of his ilk will be rated higher than any of the quarterbacks coming into this draft. So if you want to say to me that you'd like to draft one of those two guys at six instead of Haskins, the likely highest quarterback on the board, I don't have a problem with that because it's also the BPA. Right. And then um, I looked into the second round, and this it's kind of just one of those things like, um, and I'm not sure if it'd be something that would be a smart idea to do, but if, say, a quarterback, like uh, the one that stands out to me this year, I think a lot of people – kind of overlook is drew lock out of missouri i've i've liked him all year just seeing how he plays and uh, if i guess if, if if he's available in the second round i i it, i don't know if it would be smart to take him the only reason why i would is because just to have a young guy come in and sit under eli for a year have him develop and then i think it kind of helps the process of moving on eventually when you do and then you have you know kyle laletta and lock kind of battling for it and then uh the question i had i think you guys kind of already answered but i was going to say if haskins was available at number six would if you were the gm would that be a pick that you would maybe consider yeah i would certainly consider it as a pick i don't think that's an outrageous statement but once again i think you have to weigh are you maximizing the value with a potential successor to Eli Manning at six versus somebody that could come in 
like a Saquon Barkley, which was the conversation the Giants had this year, who can make an immediate impact and could still very be a Hall of Fame franchise type of player. If they believe a defensive lineman, pass rusher, or an offensive lineman fits that bill, then I would certainly not fault them for going in that direction versus a quarterback. But I think Haskins certainly has the upside and the talent that I would at least consider it and entertain it in number six. But I don't think that the Giants should be in a locked-in position where quarterback, quarterback, quarterback has to be the only priority at number six. As Paul and I discussed over these last two shows, you could point to a number of other areas of need, which also equate to good value of players that are going to be available when the Giants are ready to pick at number six. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm a big Eli supporter, so I think bringing him back would be the best case scenario to, to win. And I mean, if anything with Eli, I think, you know, maybe they would restructure his contract just to have a little bit more money to bring in maybe a couple guys on like a one-year deal just to have them there but uh, I definitely believe sticking with Eli gives you the best chance to win I mean we've we've seen when you give him protection and time he can still make the throws he he still makes plays so you know I'd be really for sure seeing him coming up this year well, I think that's part of the conversation that the Giants are having right now, Dylan, and appreciate the phone call. The other thing related to Haskins, and when we start to look ahead to the draft, this will certainly be a question that I'm personally interested in hearing from a number of these draft experts, and this to me is important to provide perspective even for the Giants. When you look at Haskins, even though most people will say he's the number one rated quarterback in this year's class, that doesn't mean that he is 10 times better or equivalent, Paul, to the cluster of quarterbacks that we saw come into the NFL this year. And the jury is still out, by the way, on a number of the quarterbacks that came into the NFL. But, you know, where would you put Haskins in comparison to Baker Mayfield? Where would you put Haskins in comparison to Sam Darnold? Where would you put him in comparison to Josh Rosen and Josh Allen? And I could sit here and put you through the whole list of quarterbacks because just because you're the number one rated quarterback, Paul, one year doesn't mean you're the equivalent to what the number one rated quarterback was perhaps just the previous year. I think that's an important question to answer for any general manager and front office executive so that you make sure you're not reaching in this year's draft. Well, this is why personnel departments scout guys over the course of their collegiate careers. I mean... And not just one game. No, right. Like Trevor Lawrence, for example. I'm just bringing that up as... Because, you know, they'll they'll be looking at guys, you know, freshmen and sophomores who are bursting on the scene, and they're going to track that player, and they're going to see, okay, what's the system? What's the coaching staff? How well is he developing? Is he taking any steps back? Did he reach a plateau where he did not get better and just evened out? These are all things they're going to watch on the field from a tape perspective, besides all the other stuff, the injuries and the personnel file, which we now know becomes a huge part of the guy's draftability. Now, you mentioned Locke. I haven't done my tape study yet. I've admitted that to everybody. Uh, I'll be getting to it very shortly, but I have not gotten to my tape study yet. I have seen him play a game, but that's not enough for me to make a definitive statement. I will tell you... People who do that for a living have told me they have said his accuracy is a concern. Okay. He's done better, but his accuracy is a concern. Four-year quarterback out of Missouri, by the way. Yes. Just so that people understand who we're talking yes. about. Uh, and the other thing that I've heard that you've got to be careful of is that he's a system quarterback. Even though they run a pro style and he does take snaps from center, which is a, a knock on a lot of the college quarterbacks coming out is that they're only shotgun quarterbacks. He does take snaps from center at Missouri. But apparently, their system, their offensive playbook, their route tree, he's not required to scan the whole field. They have a playbook in place at Missouri where it's so system-oriented, he's basically only looking at half of the field on his passing routes. Now, maybe that's one of the reasons why Missouri's not in the top five. Well, could be. <laughs> you know, in the could BCS. But, you know, again, this is what I've been told. I have not done my serious study yet. So I know I've, I've been hit up on, on Twitter and been hit up on the web where people say, well, how can you make comments about these guys when you've admitted you haven't seen them or studied them? I'm telling you I have not. This is the hearsay that has come back to me from guys who have studied him. 
I will look and see for myself when I watch some of the tape as to what I think of him. And I'll give you that opinion when I have it. But what I've heard right now is that those are concerns, even though he is one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in this draft. Well, and I also think even though— Some people though, think he might even be one or two that high. I have heard that chatter, but if you're thinking about drafting a quarterback in the second round, which is what Dylan, our last caller, was talking about, that maybe he's going to be around then, I think if you're the Giants, you got to be thinking at the point, all right, well, they drafted Davis Webb, mid-round pick. They drafted Third. Kyle Loletta. Fourth, and Fifth. now okay, so now you're moving up slightly. But I guess the point is, don't Fourth. you have to get don't you have to get to the point, Paul, where you say we're gonna now use a first round pick on a quarterback who we think is worthy and is separated from the rest of the pack that we've taken some flyers on. A lot, a lot depends on a what's available and b if you think you have enough of good grades on other positions that make them a comparable value. See. At the time, and folks, let me make something clear. At the time the Giants drafted Davis Webb, they they had a grade on him that, that said he easily could have been a second rounder. And they took him in the third because they were like, wow. From they, a value you know, standpoint. From a yeah. value perspective, okay? And that's, I think, what a lot of people are missing. Now, it turned out the new administration decided not to go in his direction and we still don't know how good Davis Webb is going to be because he hasn't played yet. He's in, he's stuck in a bad spot with the Jets where he's behind a, quote, you know, new rookie phenom and behind a veteran who's been around forever and is a comfortable backup. So he's, you know, I'm sure he's going to go free agent and go somewhere else. He'd be crazy not to. Would be a safe assumption. Until Davis Webb actually plays some NFL games, it's not fair to to say what he is. But having said that, when the Giants took Davis Webb, they took him because they thought that there was significant value there at that spot. And and if a guy sticks out like a sore thumb on your board and it says, okay, look, he's got value 10 spots higher than where we're picking, and there's nobody else who is even two spots higher than where we're picking, you know, it's going to be hard to pass that guy up. Yeah, well, I think you have to consider that. I mean, it goes back to what Dave Gettleman said at his press conference, and granted, we have heard the same thing with respect to when Jerry Reese was here, but, you know, the best player available philosophy as opposed to saying, okay, well, we're in the third round. We've addressed these two areas. Now we need to address this need. But the guy who we're thinking about taking in the third round is really valued at potentially a guy that could fall to the fourth round. So are you going to reach for that guy? Or are you going to say, you know what, there's a quarterback there who could have went late in the second round according to our projections so we feel we want to maximize the pick. You know, well, that's the big debate that I think most front office executives have. Even with Lawletta, okay, and I and I don't know where the Giants had him ranked on their board. I don't know what value they specifically had. But I do know that there were some, not many, it was a minority, but I do remember hearing that there were some folks who thought he was a very good value. This is outside the building who thought he was a very good value at that round. Others who said, you know what, he's just another guy. I think, uh, who is it, Call, calls guys Jags. Just another guy. Who does that? NFL analyst you're talking about? Oh, it's Chris Candy, the former Giants oh, okay. defensive lineman. He says, "Guy, just another guy, it's a Jag. He's just another <laughs> Interesting. guy. Uh, there were some people who thought that Loletta was just another guy. He was a Jag. And fourth or fifth round was a good value for him. But there were, I did, do remember hearing that there were a couple folks, not many, who figured, you know what, he actually was very good value at four. Well, so I, they took him. Well, I remember hearing that he could be that sleeper potential type of player. Right, well, Somebody a lot of people said Case Keenum, right? That is not necessarily on your radar, but he put up respectable numbers at Richmond, and if you get him in the right system, he could thrive. Anyway, point is, there are a lot of factors that come into drafting a QB whether or not you need him or don't need him or how valued he is on your board, these things are all in play when you think about drafting one. That's the point. By the way, before we get back to the phone lines, our astute producer, David Dominic, looked up Michael Griffin, former Titan safety, and Brian Arakpo. Yes. Own a franchise location, Gigi's Cupcakes in Austin, Texas. So it is legit. It is not a dog and See pony See that? Shop on the commercial. And they were both... 
Texas teammates. That's the connection between the two. So it's understandable. And you looked at me a little crazy when I said to you that there might be some reality in that commercial. No, I didn't. I remember distinctly seeing the commercial. I just never took it upon myself to say, all right, is this something they're advertising or is this actually legitimate? That's all. Here's the danger. Within five years after retirement, Iraq won't maybe 350 pounds. Well, yes, that's always the... uh, the negative <laughs> that you roll the dice with. But I, I'm sure he'll have a workout regimen that will help balance I hope out so. the uh, intake of cupcakes. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. We have Oren on the line in Richmond. Oren, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Oh, how are you guys doing today? Hi. Hi. What's on your mind? Um, yeah, so um, I like how you said about we just talking about shame, right? I think that should be something we should go after during free agency. Yeah, that's my point. The the youth of the player and the upside of the player, I still think is there. I mean, he was a first round pick in 2015. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, and I feel like you know, what, you know, what do we have to lose? You know, this is you know, trying to maybe to a two year deal or something like that. Maybe you know, I'm trying to get him um, to come to our team or something. And also, um, I think. Um, I don't know if you actually saw this, but, you know, the way Haslam's uh, put it, he's hoping that he gets drafted by the Giants. I did see but that. Like, yeah. But I'm just, I just want to know, what is, like, what do you guys think of the way, like, like, when you guys watch him, like, who does he remind you of, like, what kind of passes is he? Because I feel like we kind of think, I think we, I don't think we should trade up for him, to be honest with you. I think we should stay in that spot because, honestly, I don't feel like any other team is really going to try to pursue him like that. Well, that's always the guessing game. You never know. Who would have thought? I I get where you're coming from, Oren, but who would have thought a few years ago that the Eagles would have moved up to get Carson Wentz? Remember, that offseason, they gave Sam Bradford a contract extension, and they brought in Chase Daniel on a nice contract as his backup because he also had ties to Doug Peterson. So you really, you never know. There's always that late maneuvering and maybe a team didn't get their target in free agency. So I, I think it's too early to say that there's no way that anybody's going to make a move in the top five to grab a quarterback. Or perhaps a team that's in the top five right now may want to explore other options. For example, you know, nobody's talking about Arizona is going to bring in a new head coach. Now, I still think it's way too early to move in a different direction, but maybe the new coach is not enamored with Josh Rosen and he sells the coaching staff on... Maybe taking a flyer with Haskins or somebody else. So you can't rule out that just well, because it appears these teams are set. To make a move in the trade for that. Well, but it all depends on what you got to give up. Remember, you know, as Paul and I said, Oren, the Giants have other needs. And even Dave Gettleman said the defense has to be a priority this offseason to improve. You give yeah. up you give up draft picks now, maybe you lose out on getting a marquee defensive play. You have to weigh that. You can't dismiss that. Okay, yeah, you're right. And that's why I feel like, you know, we should go get some defense players in the, um, in the, um, in the, you know, maybe at the second round, third round, take the advantage, get some defense players to go free agency, you know, uh, get some free, um, get some defensive free agencies there and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, but I, honestly, since you guys have one more year in my life, I feel like well, this would be a perfect time for someone to sit by him for a whole year and actually learn from him. Well, I think if if you look at the NFL landscape and appreciate the phone call, Aaron, most quarterbacks who are taken high tend to start day one. I think that would be the majority of the trend. But, Paul, there is value in also letting a quarterback watch and learn from a veteran. I don't think there's Mm -hmm. anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. We saw it. Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers is an example. What about Phillip Rivers behind Drew Brees? You know, let's not be mistaken. Rivers didn't start day one. They had Drew Brees, and then they moved on from him because they were concerned about his shoulder injury. So there are a number of guys. I mean, I just named you two of the top quarterbacks in today's NFL all time, and Rivers and Rodgers, they sat for a year or two. And to me, it didn't stunt their development at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. In fact, I prefer it. But that's just me. No, I'm with you. I, I would prefer it, clearly, if you can maximize the veteran on your team and he still can produce so you're basically you're killing two birds with one stone in my opinion you're still competitive with the current quarterback in place Paul and then at the same time you're allowing the potential successor to learn 
understand, what you have to study, the tendencies, and so forth. So that, to me, is the ideal game plan. But at the same time, I mean, you see what Baker Mayfield has done this year and Sam Darnold to a certain extent. And would you argue that if they had a veteran quarterback in front of them, and and granted, Baker had Tyrod Taylor, so he did have some semblance of that. And Darnold has Josh McCown, but I guess my point is they didn't sit for a year. It was more of a baptism by fire, and I think some of those guys, you can make a case, are still in very good position for lengthy careers. You can make a case for both sides of the coin, depending upon which circumstances you'd like to cite. But if you need to get a preference or have a preference, I'm telling you I'd prefer to have the guy sit. But again, the teach his own. That's one of those things where I really wish society would agree to disagree more because (laughs) nobody does that anymore. Everybody says, I'm right, you're wrong, and I hate you for it people need to di- agree to disagree more. Anyway, go uh, ahead. I'm with you. Yeah, keep preaching, Paul. I'm with you. I'm, I'll, I'll pat you on the Is back he gone? on that one. Yeah, we, we, we let Oren go. Yes, okay. After he made his uh, final point. Uh, by the head. way, we should tell people about the Bruce Arian story. Yeah, so I never thought you'd be so excited about coaching news. I, I, that's why I was a little... Well, it is, it is kind well, of it, relevant. I mean, it, was, it was floating around over the last few days, so that's why I wasn't startled. But yes, the, Ian, the Ian report Ian is Rappaport. that they are going to offer Bruce Arian... The Bucks. The Bucks. Yeah. the uh, head coaching gig. And it's once big again, NFL news. No, it, I is, mean, it is notable. We're an NFL show. And, correct. <laughs> and, and, and we should also mention, on a related note, the Packers, according to multiple reports, are going to hire Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur, who was with Sean McVay as the Rams offensive coordinator last year. Then he moved to the Titans, and the reason why he moved is because he was the play caller for Tennessee. He mm-hmm. was not the play caller in L.A., and he's worked with a variety of quarterbacks. And this is why I think Green Bay finds him attractive. He's worked with Kirk Cousins in RG3 in Washington. He's worked with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He's worked with Jared Goff right. in L.A. And he's worked with Marcus Mariota. So they have Aaron Rodgers. And it's not that he has a great track record as a play caller. It's still a small sample size. But if I'm Green Bay, knowing Rodgers' personality, Paul, you want somebody that has had exposure to a variety of different quarterbacks at all levels and understands <laughs> the ins and outs of that position, and also can feel good about calling plays, which he showed this year. So that's why I think it's easy to overlook somebody like that because you're like, well, Tennessee's offense wasn't electric this season. Here's an interesting nugget, and I'm not sure if the audience nor you were aware of. Mike McCarthy was hired as the San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator before he took over as Green Bay's head coach in 2006. Mm -hmm. They had a rookie quarterback in 05 by the name of Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. San Francisco's offense, you know where it ranked? Dead last in the NFL that year. Yet Green Bay hired him as their head coach. So for everybody going crazy about Tennessee's offensive numbers, maybe that provides a little perspective. Because the last time I checked, turned out to be pretty good, that mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy choice. I think they made the playoffs uh, much mm-hmm. more than they missed it. Anyway, the, the other part, yeah. if you want to weave this around and connect the dots, why that could be relevant to the Giants. Because anytime there's a head coaching change, the slew of assistants also become eligible for change. That's fair. And you never know if maybe that coach in that new job is going to want to grab some of your assistants or, for that matter, if your current head coach wants to grab some of the guys who are now set free. Or maybe, let's say Bruce Arians is now going to get the Buccaneers job. Maybe, who knows, maybe Pat Shermer has his eye on grabbing somebody for his staff, but Arians also wants him. So now maybe you're in competition for the same guy who's available. So there can be tentacles that do stretch to your current team when there are head coaching uh, vacancies that get filled. No, I think that's an excellent point. According to reports that I've seen, it looks like Bruce Arians is going to bring in Todd Bowles, former Jets head coach as his defensive coordinator, who is actually the defensive coordinator in Arizona mm-hmm. before James Betcher right. then took over for him. And in terms of maneuvering, I wouldn't be overly concerned because in order to leave, you also need to have an upgrade in terms of the position more often than not, meaning there, there has to be some upward movement, Well, not necessarily the equivalency of Just as a matter of procedure, okay, as a matter of procedure, I'm not starting a rumor here, okay, let's make it clear, as a matter of procedure, James Betcher is the Giants' defensive coordinator. A promotion would be associate head coach. So let's say Bruce Arians got the Bucks job and said to James Betcher, I'd like you to be my associate head coach. Slash, you know, defensive. I, I, be, I, believe, I believe that would be a legal move under the NFL nomenclature. Again, that's not a rumor, folks. I'm simply showing you how the procedure works. 
So, you, you know, you, you always need to take those things into account. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Coach Marvin is on the line in Delaware. Coach Marvin, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? How are you doing, Lance? Doing uh, very well. How's hey, Marvin. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year, guys. Um, well, you know, you guys were talking about so much today. Um, I was thinking about, uh, real quick, the thing with Kyle Lalletta, just a footnote, is uh, the Patriots were interested in Kyle Lalletta. Just uh, let you know that was... That was yeah. a story that came out. That is true. Yeah, so there were some teams interested in him. Uh, the other footnote, when Paul was talking about the quarterback. Uh, sitting a year, I can agree with that. It's uh, it's a thing of choice of what happens. Depends on the team, depends on the coach, and it depends on the two quarterbacks that you have. Mm-hmm. You got guys that sit a whole year and uh, come out, and then they're successful. You got guys play come in after six games and they play well, and you got rookies that come in and play right off the bat and play well. So there's really no formula for it. That's fair. And sometimes, Marvin, you don't have a choice because you really don't have much on the roster, and you figure, okay, we got this guy number one. We might as well throw him in because it's not like he's got to beat out anybody worth anything. Right, right, right. But I, I, I think, I mean, like you, you said, uh, you know, it's a agree to disagree type of thing. Yes. And there's no right or wrong to it. Uh, but as far as the, the uh, draft is going. This is going to be this is going to be a tough one this year because I don't see any Barclays in this draft. I see a lot of guys tied to the same grade, and uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And this is defensively loaded. That this is going to go all the way into the second round. You're going to be far seeing guys fall into that top tier of the second round. Mm-hmm. Agreed. The, quarter, the quarterbacks are limited. And I think in my choice is Haskins. As I've been watching the games, I do watch the games. I've watched Ohio State's games. And um, for a kid to throw 50 touchdowns, that's that telling. And he played some pretty good um, competition. Um, and I think the only way you're going to get him, and that's going to depend on Gettleman, what is the price you're willing to pay? Because I believe Coughlin is coming. He's sitting right on their back at the seventh pick. And he's coming, and the and the one that also that's sitting out there, that the uh, dark horse, is the Denver Broncos sitting at twelve. I think they're at ten. And and all of those teams have a chance to move into that top three. Um, I think Lance was saying something about uh, Arizona may, I don't know, move from um, Rosen. Uh, well, I just I threw know. that out. That's just me speculating. I'm not saying that there's but, any uh, hardcore you're, evidence. You're yeah. That's true. You didn't, you didn't put no facts to that. that that's going to happen. Right. I, I, I find that high pitch that uh, you just drafted that guy last year where they drafted him, and then you're going to give up on him. I think they're going to bring somebody in that feels like that they can mold him into a player, and I think that's what they're going to do. But they, they host the cards. I think uh, the Raiders hold cards. Because those teams, Raiders might go with what Lance said about Arizona. They kind of shaky. They may do something weird with Carr. We don't. Yeah, know. we don't know. I mean, Gruden, you never know. He's the wild card, <laughs> so he may say, you know what? I love Haskins, and I want him to be my quarterback. And we're going to move on from Carr. We're going to pull off a trade. You know, you know, right. Marvin. It seems that that there is a very strong sentiment around everybody who's talking about the draft that Bosa and, and Williams, the defensive lineman out of out of Bama, those are your top two guys. And you're right. I, I I don't hear anybody talking about the potential yellow jacket like we heard for Barkley right. and Quinton Nelson. I don't. But it That's- seems like it's those two guys are one and two. And then after that, you might be able to go from I don't know three to fifteen. And pick anybody you like because there's not, there are not those four or five quarterbacks that are going to be in the top ten, and there are not three or four incredibly separated pass rushers that have to go in the top five. And I right. think that's what puts the Giants actually in a good spot. And again, Marvin, don't don't ignore the fact that Dave Gittleman has been very active every year of his general managership, whether it was the Giants or the Panthers, of making deals involving draft picks. I I, I said this on our pregame show a couple of weeks ago before the Giants' season finale. My bold prediction was he might even trade up into the first round and and acquire a second first-round pick 
It would not shock me. And I certainly believe he's going to try to move up and make sure he gets a third rounder, which he's already spent to get Sam Beal. I, I really think that Dave Gettleman wants to get as many top 100 picks as he can get his hands on. I really believe that because he knows that those guys provide immediate value. I, I can believe that, Paul, and I'm, I'm with you in that. You can put me on your in your corner with that. But I, I think it depends on how Haskam does in this combine. If they if they love Haskam, I believe he's going to do what he can to get him, but I don't believe he's going to sell the house. Now, if somebody like Jacksonville, Denver's willing to sell the house, I think the Giants are going to be out of that Haskam um, pick. And um, I think what you, they're going to do is what you said. Then they're going to have to look at trading out of it. He already has, I believe, three fours. I believe three fours. I believe he's getting back into the third round. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, he's getting back to that third round. I'd be very shocked if he doesn't. Over the caps uh, expert uh, uh, value expert just put out something the other day that said, you know, the Giants have nine picks, and that yes. they believe no, that they're going to get. 11, co- yeah, 11, they yeah. think yeah. they think. They think they're going to get compensatories in the fourth and fifth, which would bring right. them to 11. Now, that's not official. Yeah. That's simply a web story that came out from a camp analyst and a, and a draft analyst. They have right. nine. They have nine now. I think it's 95% likely they're going to get a tenth. And if it's true that they get a, a fourth and a fifth and they have 11, you know that Dave Gettleman is going to try to get more in that top three. And again, right. I'm not suggesting he trades out of the six spot necessarily. Maybe he does. But he could keep the six and try to use a combination of other picks to get up into the top 40, let's say. I wouldn't right. be surprised. I really wouldn't. Well, but, and also it's unrealistic I, I, that 11 guys are going to make the roster too. So you might as well try to combine two picks to move up as opposed to just stay where you are with that 11. Go ahead, Coach Marvin. That's the key, Lance. Yeah. You're, you're right. It's 11 guys. I don't believe you want to bring in 11 of these guys. Exactly. In, no. In, in, in here. I think you, you, you can keep that six pick and, and pick your best guy. And you know what, Paul? Why not wake your way back in the bottom half of the, of the um, first round? Because it's so loaded with defensive players, people may be looking to sure. move down out of the first round. Absolutely. And maybe you got to trade a two and one of your fours to get into the bottom of the first round. Maybe you can right. do that. And then there's nothing wrong with that at all. If there's somebody you're targeting, you really got to have. And let's say, you know, you think he's going to be a big-time defensive player that's going to help that need too. Why not? Or maybe it's a, maybe it's a stud tackle. The stud, there's yeah. supposed to be some, some decent, solid prospect tackles in, in the lower first round into the second round. So if that's right. where the if that's where the, the growth is, if that's where the ground is fertile, you got to get there. Yeah. Well, listen, the Giants right. got Will Hernandez this year. The Colts got Braden Smith. Both of those guys exactly. were high second-round yeah. offensive linemen you who know. have helped their respective now, teams. Now, Schmelk says he thinks they're going to use some of those picks to trade to get quantity in 2020. I don't know that I agree with that. I think it's possible. I think Dave Gettleman would certainly be open to doing that. But I think he's more interested in getting picks higher in this year's draft. Right. Well, I got two last things. They like footnotes. When Lance threw out a name of a, a free agent that needs to break in, you're killing me, Lance. You're, you're taking all the things I want to push out. <laughs> well, great uh, minds think alike. So. Jane, Jane Ray is the one I would like to see come in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see Shane Ray. Give him a shot. He's not going to cost a lot. You can, he, you can bring him in on a, on the make-the-team basis. He, he's already on the back end in Denver. They're not going. He's not in the lineup. Yep. And uh, I believe they sat him out the last game or the last. Yeah, game. he was deactivated. He's very frustrated. He, he wants out of there. One hundred percent. He wants out of there. So yeah. he he may be motivated to come. So bring him in. You don't have to. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he's got a chip yeah. on his shoulder. Yeah. You would I'll tell you what. He fits this scheme a heck of a lot better than the standard four three scheme the Giants ran under Spags. This certainly yeah. would be a better fit for him. The Betcher scheme yeah. would be much more suited for Ray. Yeah, I, be- I believe that, Paul. I believe this scheme will be better for him. Mm-hmm. And coming in at a cheap price, uh, it- it'll be a-, a win-win for both play- for both him and the Giants. And uh, my last footnote: we're talking about the um, the pick, and uh, I talked to Russ and Dave. I think a week ago. And I bought up. I don't know if Dave bought into it too much. Russ didn't say much. I wonder if you pass this to you and Lance. My the person I see 
just into the radar into this draft that plays quarterback, and I'm going to throw this name at you. I want you to let that kind of simmer in a little bit. Mick Soley for Penn State. He has something like, like Mayfield has. The guy makes his teammates play for him. He's not going to light up everything, but the guy has no quit. Go back and look at the bowl game when he got hurt and mm-hmm. he came back in, how Penn State came to life because of him. And he played that way with Barkley. He, was, he would bring that team to life. And uh, I, I think he's a dark horse. So and where, where is his, where's his round value for you, Marvin? Huh? Where is his round value for you? What, 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 what would you think would be a reasonable round to take him? Where to take him? Oh, that's going to be tough for to, to figure out where you get him. Because, well, you know what? A lot of teams don't really need quarterbacks. So, if I can get back into the third round, if he can last that long, maybe that third round. Because he's hurt. He plays hurt. He's a tough kid. But you got to see him in the combine to see what his value is. But I would say maybe the third round. Okay. And do you do you think, based on what you've seen of Loletta at Richmond, and of course you really didn't get to see much of him here, do you think that he would have a legitimate chance to beat him out for a, a roster spot on the fifty-three? Those are the questions you have uh, to ask that, yourself. That, 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 that's a hard, that's a very uh, tough question to answer. Now you know why I Loletta, asked you that. Loletta, you know, Loletta never really got a chance to play. I know. We saw a little bit glimpses in the preseason. So it's hard to say, but and, I believe from coming out of college, you put them both in the college back in. You go back to Loretta when he was in college. I, I, I think uh, Max Sawley, because of the competition he was playing with, uh, fair I would probably yeah. give him the edge. I'm See, not going to say he kills one. You right. got you got to be pretty sure though, Marvin, because if you're going to take a third round pick and use it on a player of that nature, you better be pretty sure. Yeah. That he's going to make you're right. your fifty-three. He better be appreciably better than the guy you currently have. Well, you're making a mistake using a third-round pick on him. That's a, that's a that's a, a valid point. That is a valid point. But I'm just looking in the sense of the personnel in that draft, and that this guy is a dark horse that I believe has the chance to be a starter in the NFL because of his intangibles of what he brings to the table. Don't look at his numbers. Look at how the team plays around. Yeah, his numbers don't jump off the page. I mean, he only had 18 touchdowns over the course of this past season. It's interesting you throwing his name out because I'm looking at where he's projected to go, and and this is just one website's perspective. Lance, Lance, while you're looking at that, 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 uh, uh, the the, the team dynamic had changed, and and that's not to give him any excuses. But also, you take in consideration when he played with Barkley. See what his numbers were then and the way his numbers were now. <laughs> Just remember, when you look at college numbers, Tom Brady's college numbers weren't well, great. Well, no, either. there's only so much you can put into that. Correct. <laughs> Marvin, we yeah. got to run, yeah, though, because we have one more call. call. Thank you. Thanks so much for weighing in. Plus... You know, just because he has familiarity with Saquon Barkley, and I'm not saying Coach Marvin was saying that, that to me is not necessarily a strong enough selling point. It doesn't matter whether he's familiar with some of the players and so forth. But just to finish the point that I was going to get at, they project him as a seventh-round undrafted free agent. So, now, I get his point about it's a guy that's fallen under the radar that could wow you. I mean, Tom Brady, to your point, went extremely late, and look at what happened with him. But if you can get him as an undrafted free agent and invite him to camp. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Ever. But I certainly, if if you project that he's going to be an undrafted free agent, then I would not worry about, you know, moving up or or wasting a draft pick on him. I was told years ago, when when you're going into the draft, it doesn't matter what round it is, you have to be pretty darn sure that that guy has an opportunity to, at the minimum, compete and beat somebody out on your roster. Yep. Otherwise, why did you make the pick? You might as well wait till free agency at the end of the draft and sign the guys a UFA. And if you're going to draft a third-round pick, you better darn well make sure that that guy's making your team. Yeah. You don't want to take a flyer in the third round. Charlie is in Portland, Maine, speaking of flyers that we recommend <laughs> we not take chances on. What's happening, Charlie? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Hi, Charlie. Hey, I, I, I got a scenario for you. 
You love scenarios, oh, uh, Lance. Yes, absolutely love them. Can't get enough of them. What, what hypothetical would you like to throw our way on today's program? Uh-oh. We're all well, ears. W- what happens if Nick Foles leads oh. the Eagles again to a Super Bowl and they win it? Okay. And you got Carson Wentz, who's got a back issue, and back issues don't go away, and he's already had an ACL. Why would you want to keep a guy who's always hurt because usually when someone gets hurt at the beginning of their career, it kind of keeps Charlie, let, let me ask you a question. Did you listen to yesterday's program? I feel like this is Groundhog's Day. I, I take it oh, okay. you didn't tune into yesterday's program. I'm kind of disappointed. I thought you revolved your schedule <laughs> around our program, Charlie. I was busy yesterday. You were busy. Man. Excuse okay. me. Wow. I mean, the fact that you have other priorities. A little disappointed. But anyway, no, in all seriousness, another caller posed this exact scenario. They did. Which, which we answered. Now, I'll give you the quick synopsis answer okay this was Paul and I and I think Paul shares my sentiments first of all I emphasize Carson Wentz is still on his rookie deal Charlie okay he's going to enter the fourth year of his rookie deal they still have the fifth year team option that they could pick up so they don't have to make a decision on Carson Wentz this offseason where you gotta sign him to an unbelievable extension and lock him up with all that money so there's nothing wrong with you keep Carson on the rookie deal which is still manageable and then you go to Nick Foles which is what Paul and I were talking about earlier and you offer him maybe another one-year deal and he may find it appealing because he's thrived here he knows the system and he may be able to start again I remember I remember what you said now yeah yeah yeah, I I caught the archive yeah if Carson Wentz was at the end of his rookie deal meaning if this was his fifth-year option and he was set to be a free agent yeah it's a completely different conversation you're not to invest in two quarterbacks, but you don't have to invest in Wentz this offseason. Yeah, but the thing is, is they might find a sucker team to get a first-round pick for this guy, Wentz, and then they got a first-round pick, they could pick up another quarterback to uh, go behind Foles, and then you get rid of a quarterback that has high potential, but seems to be always injured. So you I want mean, the Giants to trade for Wentz? Is that what the point of this is? Otherwise, you should be calling the Eagles show, Charlie. I'm not sure I get where you're going. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is, Foles is, and the other thing with Foles, I mean, I think Wentz is going to be a quarterback that's going to be injured all the time. This okay. guy is not going to be in the league for very long, okay. or he's always going to be injured. So I would get rid of him now while I can get something for him. And you want the Giants and, to go for Wentz. That's what you're trying to tell no, me. No, no, no. He no, just wants to want get Wentz rid of him. You, you, just, you just think the Eagles should get <laughs> rid of Wentz. Saying. Some you th- soccer team will take him. Not okay. Well, well, how does that relate to the Giants? Well, no, fortunately, <laughs> Charlie's not a general manager in this league because we know that he would be that guy taking a first-round pick and <laughs> no, sending it to the Eagles. I would not but take anyway, him. That's no, no, sure. no, but bringing it back to Giants land here in all seriousness. Okay. okay. So I understand right. you don't think the Eagles should invest in Wentz. I'm following you there. Now, do you think they should invest in Foles, though? Okay. Definitely. So, but so you see, if the, they can get a first round pick, say for Wentz, then they can pick up another quarterback. They can get somebody behind Wentz. Okay. I mean, if Foles wins two Super Bowls in a row, how can you get rid of this guy? How so, can so, you this, do that? so this is just you talking about the Eagles. I, I guess I'm yeah. trying to ask, how does this affect the Giants? I already you asked just, them you just twice. Somebody said that Foles was going to get traded to the Giants, and that ain't no. ever going to happen. Well, no, Foles, Foles doesn't have to be traded. He'd be a free He's agent. A free agent. He at can the test end the of market. The year. He doesn't have to be traded. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, he's a free agent? Yes, yes. he is. He would cost a fortune if he had two Super Bowls. (laughs) No way. We would never give away the I'm glad everybody's having a good time at this conversation. (laughs) I'm trying to make sense. Okay, so we finally got around to understanding that this is a useless conversation. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah, it is. Okay, (laughs) the other thing I wanted to talk about is why are we talking so much about the draft when free agency becomes first. No and doubt. once what we do in free agency is going to affect what it we is. do in the draft. Yeah, Couldn't well, agree so with you more, be, Charlie. We should talk more about free agency. Who's available for tackles? Who's available for pass rushes, which you did today? We I, did. I we, we got into free agency, Charlie. See, we, we yes. followed your rundown. We, we were not okay, staring good. away from your rundown. Okay. Yeah. Part, of, part like, of the problem, though, Charlie, honestly, and, and what, what makes this a little bit difficult is because at least for the most part, you have an idea who's available in the draft because there are the seniors and there are a lot of juniors who have already told you they're going to go into it. With NFL free agency, it's really a lot harder at the moment to predict if guys are even going to leave their current teams. So the pool of available players right now is even more murky than the possible draft prospects. And that's what makes it a little bit different. Yeah. Hey, Lance, I got a new saying for you. How about... Let me hear it. How about <clears throat> releasing 
in freeing two birds with one act of kindness instead of killing two birds with one <laughs> Well, I, I am a negative person, so oh, yeah. I, like the, I like the negative connotation, Charlie, okay? You're not going to get me to smile and light it up. But I figured Mr. Nature here would, uh, would spin it in his favor. I'll consider right, adopting guys. it, Charlie. Great way to end the show, Charlie. Always Thank good you. talking with Charlie in Portland, yeah, Have Maine. a good one. Yes. You well, too. at least Charlie's consistent because he did echo those same sentiments to me on Twitter that we should be focusing on free agency before we do on the draft. And I agree with him. And in fairness, Paul and I had a whole conversation about potential free agents because one of the callers ignited that. For, so, for what it's fair. worth, Charlie, I already have my list together of guys on my radar at the different positions who I would target if I were the Giants. I don't just don't think that right now at the moment it's all that prudent to go into detail on it because, again, a guy like Clowney would be someone I would probably want to talk about. But he's in all likelihood going to get tagged. Well, because, so why yeah. waste time talking about him? Free agency is also the land of the unknown at this point. It really point is. It's, 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 it's really too premature. Yeah. A lot of teams haven't made declarations. They haven't no started doubt. their initial conversations. Plus, you know what also happens, Paul, before we wrap up the show? In that two-day, three-day period before you can actually sign, sometimes teams negotiate with their own free agents. They lock them up, and they never even truly hit the market, too. So No question. You're, you're targeting a guy, and he doesn't even leave his facility. So that's anyway. another thing that you got to take into consideration. Well, good conversation as always. We appreciate the phone calls. We appreciate the tweets. Big Blue Kickoff Live will be up and running again tomorrow at noon Eastern. A reminder, it is brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and stay locked always to Giants.com. Have a good one.